Wait, you see Tim's radar. Do I need to move that? Anybody know what this is for? Who's doing this? Good morning, everyone. We're glad you're here. today. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord as we uh, share this time of worship with one another. Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> we welcome our guests, especially today. You're, you're very welcome to be with us today, and we're glad that you are, and we hope that you'll feel, feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. I'd like to remind you of a few announcements that we have. Uh, first of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill them out for us. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, give us whatever information you feel comfortable sharing with us and so we can have a record of your attendance. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, it comes out each Thursday, uh, please put your email address on there. It's a great way to keep up with uh, the activities going on here at Community Baptist Church. And uh, if you'd like to uh, receive that, please put your email on there, and uh, we'll be glad to put you on the list to receive that. 
few things that are coming up uh, and some things that are not coming up that I'd like to announce. And that is that we are not going to be having Wednesday services uh, for the rest of the year. We have uh, 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 New Year's Eve, uh, Christmas Eve coming up this week and New Year's Eve coming up the following week. Got a lot going on. And so we're not going to be having our Wednesday services this week or next week. But we'll be picking up again on January the 6th with uh, our dinner at 545 and then our Bible study afterwards. uh, We've been studying worship, and uh, on uh, the 6th we will be talking about sending people forth from worship. Also, our nominating team will meet this afternoon at 5, and so if you're a part of that, please uh, make every effort to be here at 5 o'clock. And everyone is invited to our Christmas Eve service on Thursday at 5 o'clock that afternoon. This is one of my favorite services of the year. It's a, it's a service kind of laid back. There's a lot of music, a lot of scripture reading, and all kinds of expressions of our joy as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. So let me invite you to come on uh, Thursday for our Christmas Eve service and celebrate uh, Christ's birth with, with us that evening. Uh, we also, uh, Chris, where's Chris? There he is. Um, uh, we presented uh, a proposed budget to our business meeting on Wednesday and uh, and. Uh, they would like the, the business meeting presented it. We presented it to them, and they tossed it back to the church to uh, present to you today uh, to pass our budget for 2016. So I'll ask our moderator to moderate us. Now, this is a special business meeting. This is an annual meeting, and we're, there aren't many things that we as a church body vote on. Most of, uh, nearly all the business is done on Wednesday night, but this is an annual requirement that we approve the budget. It's an up or down, no discussion vote, but you've got the budget there on the back of your bulletin, and it's broken down into uh, total income and then some uh, itemization of expenses, uh, which leads you to total expenses. It's a slightly negative projected budget, but it is just a budget, and um, we uh, hope to exceed the income goal and balance it out at the end of the year. So take a moment to look at that, and then I'll call for the vote. And again, it's just yay or nay with no discussion. This comes to us from a recommendation from the Finance Committee and the Wednesday night business meeting. All in favor of approving the budget as submitted in front of you signify by saying aye. Aye. Any opposed by nay? Okay, the motion carries. I'll end the business meeting. Thank you, Chris, and thank you all for, uh, for supporting our budget. Uh, uh, it, it takes everybody doing their part to, uh, to make sure we have the money to run the, the ministries of our church, and so I'm grateful for each of you. And I'm grateful for each of you for many reasons, uh, uh, most importantly because you are uh, so much a part of our family, the family of Christ, and uh, it's great to share this season of the year with you. It's a season of joy, so let me invite you now to stand And let's share the joy of Christmas as we greet one another in the name of the Lord.
standing and sing hymn number 88.
The fourth candle is for peace. We look forward to Christmas and to the peace of Christ. There has been so much to do, so much to prepare, and some of us are still madly rushing about trying to get it all ready. But as Christmas approaches, we know that there is not much more we can do. As we look forward to Christmas, we light the fourth candle in the knowledge that the coming of Christ takes everything out of our hands. This is God's word. Lord, you are coming, and we open our hearts to receive all that you have for us and to give you all that we are. Amen. Amen. Come down, O Lord, tear open the heavens and come down. We wait. We wait restless for peace. In the world splintered by strife. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. He tends your flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. We will listen to what the Lord our God will say. He promises peace to his people. Come along, expectant Jesus. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, and the calf and the lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. O oh God, silence us in our world, peace in our homes, and peace in our hearts. As we wait for his coming, remove the things that hinder us from being peacemakers. We ask this through the hope we have in Christ our Lord.
live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, and the calf and the lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. Today's reading is Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5a. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she is, who is in labor has brought forth, then the rest of the kindred shall return to the people of Israel, and, she, and, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be one of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. 
did that to see if you're awake. Hi, Avery. It's very good to meet you this morning. Evan, you want to be the only boy or are you going to sit with mom and dad? All right. Who is so excited? Why? Because you got out of school. What's coming up in, who's going to change the calendar when we go upstairs today? Oh, Neva's hands up first. So Neva's going to put, how many days do we have left to put on our thing up there in the worship room? Huh? Five days left. Okay, tell me something that gets you really, really excited about Christmas. Yes, Zoe. Open presents. Next. Going to church on Christmas Eve. Good. One more. You know what? Think about it. Oh, we get to wear, look, you like my ring? I only get to wear this one time a year or a couple times a year. What? Getting to spend time with my family. Good Lily. What else? All those are so wonderful. You know what? Our family. Huh? Brothers and sisters. Yeah, we had 22 people at our house all day yesterday. We just had a blast. Yeah, and it was family Christmas. Um, But what I want to give, I want to talk a little bit about some different meanings. All right. Mm, Everybody like these? Yep. And when do you usually see these? Christmas, okay, because they just make you look Christmas. You know, Christmas necklaces, Christmas rings, Christmas pins, Christmas candy canes. But there's always a meaning behind something that we like at Christmas, and we want to make sure we remember the meanings behind those. Remember uh, when we put our manger scene up in the children's room up there, and the shepherds, uh, what do they usually have? A shepherd's a, a staff, yeah, because when their lambs got away from them, I guess, they went like this, Avery, and they took their staff and they got them by the neck and they brought them back. Did you know that? No, you didn't? Okay. But look, listen to the legend of the candy cane. Did you know a candy cane had a legend? No. Yeah, okay. Look at this candy cane and what do you see? Stripes that are red like the blood shed for me. Hmm, who are we talking about? White for my Savior, who is sinless and pure. J is for Jesus, my Lord, that's for sure. When you look at it, you see a candy cane. If we look at it like this, what do we see? J. Turn it around, and a staff you will see, and that's what shepherds have. Jesus, my shepherd, is coming for me. So now we know about the candy cane. All right, and then there's always a story that you read the night before Christmas. How's it start? Tell me. Right before Christmas, all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Anybody know any more? Okay. Oh, I know you know that one. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's wait. Because this, this is the, was the night before Christmas that we really, as people of Christ and as Christ-like people, listen to some of these lyrics. We don't want to do this. Or some of these um Words in the story. Twas the night before Jesus came and all through the house. Not a creature was praying. Not one in the house. Will we be praying on Christmas Eve? Yeah. We will. Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without care in hopes that Jesus would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed. 
not once ever kneeling or bowing their head. What do you usually do when you go to bed at night? You say a prayer? And mom in her rocker with baby in her lap was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there arose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. When what to my wondering I should appear? But angels proclaiming that Jesus was here. With a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray, I knew in a moment this must be the day. The light of his face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning, just like he had said. And though I possessed worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. In the book of life, which he held in his hand, we've talked about that, Jesus sees everything we do. In the book of life, which he held in his hand, was written the name of every saved man. What's it mean to be saved? What do we do here? Dr. Tim does it sometimes. Baptized. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name when he said, It's not here. My head hung in shame. Do we want our name in that book? How do we get our name in that book? Be good, be Christ-like, be baptized. The people whose names had been written with love, he gathered to take to his Father above. With those who were ready, he rose without a sound, while all the rest were left standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I had waited too long, and thus sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if I had only been ready tonight. In the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Jesus is drawing near. There's only one life, and when comes the last call, we'll find that the Bible was true after all. That's a different Christmas story we can think about this year. (laughs) Okay, that was just weird. Well, we'll talk about it upstairs, okay? All right. Let's go upstairs and we'll talk a little bit more about it.
praise me. Faithful God, you astound us with your miracles. We rejoice that you sent your son Jesus to bring light and salvation to our world. We are grateful for your great wisdom and love and your actions toward us. We thank you for giving us so much more than we deserve. Help us to be more believing of your word and trusting in the fulfillment of your promises. We dedicate our tithes and offerings for the mission of this church so that we may help those around us and glorify your name. Be with us as we leave this church today and begin the, coming, the celebration of the coming of your son. Place your healing hand upon those who need your comfort and guide us to be a light for you in this world where darkness is growing more prevalent. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Yes, and amen. How many of you come from a small town? How many of you were born in a small town? A lot of you 
grew up in a small town, and so you can probably identify with some of those lists that begin with, you know you're from a small town when. For example, you know you live in a small town when the city limit signs are on both sides of the same post. Or you know you live in a small town when your car breaks down outside of town and news of it gets back to town before you do. You know that you live in a small town when, without even thinking about it, you wave at all oncoming traffic. And you know you live in a small town when the New Year's baby arrives in October. Or when a night on the town takes 11 minutes. And the local phone book has one yellow page. You get the idea. Small towns don't get much respect. It's kind of like a joke that John Ortberg tells about the city of Fresno, California. He says people go to Hollywood because they want to get famous. And people go to Silicon Valley because they want to get rich. But people go to Fresno because they get bad directions. Now, Fresno is not a small town by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not Hollywood either, and it's not Silicon Valley. The fact is that small towns don't get much respect. And yet some of the best people who ever lived came from small towns. Abraham Lincoln, generally acknowledged as our greatest president ever, hailed from Knob Creek to Kentucky a place which was so so small that it doesn't even exist anymore, except as a landmark. President Jimmy Carter, of course, still calls Plains, Georgia, his home. Plains has a grand population of 611 (laughs) on a good day. And, of course, the greatest person who ever lived came from a small town in one of the most unlikely places on earth. We read in Micah chapter 5 these beautiful words, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Now, those words were written over 700 years before Caesar Augustus issued his decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman Empire, a census that required Joseph and Mary to travel from their home in Nazareth up to Bethlehem because Joseph belonged to the house and the lineage of David. You know the story. Joseph went there to register for the census with Mary, who was pledged to be his wife, and she was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn child, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields, watching over their flocks, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For I bring you great news today that will cause great joy for all of the people. 
For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then all of a sudden, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. And when the angels left the shepherds, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So let's do what the shepherds did that night. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. My friends, the world didn't know at that time. But all of the truly important people on earth were huddled in that tiny little stable that night long ago in a little town about six miles outside of Jerusalem known as Bethlehem. Now, in the world's estimation, all of the important people were in Rome. Caesar, his household, the the Roman Senate, people like that. But we know better than that, don't we? The really important people that night consisted of a a ragtag group of humble shepherds and a young couple with their newborn son who had been forced to take shelter in a stable of all places because there was no room available for them in the inn. So why do I say that all of the important people of the world were there in Bethlehem? Well, here it is. It's because this tiny little baby that was born that night would grow up and he would change the entire world forever. And it all happened in this small little town called Bethlehem. In August of 1865, the parishioners of Holy Trinity Church in Philadelphia sent their pastor, Phillips Brooks, abroad for a year. And his travels took him through Europe and in December to the Holy Land. And there he traced the steps of Jesus and he visited the various scenes of the Bible. And after spending two weeks in in Jerusalem, Christmas Eve found him in Bethlehem at the birthplace of Jesus. Remembering the emotions that he felt that night, he wrote later on to his Sunday school back in Philadelphia. And he said, I remember standing in the old church in Bethlehem, close to the spot where Jesus was born. The whole church was ringing with splendid hymns of praise to God. It was as if I could hear angelic voices telling each other of the wonderful night of our dear Savior's birth. And then two years later, in 1867, Brooks put his pen to paper and wrote, Those immortal words. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The prophet Micah, 
who first announced where Christ would be born, was a contemporary of the prophet Isaiah. And even in those days, 700 years before Christ was born, God was already speaking to these men, to to both of them, Micah and Isaiah, about the one who was to come. Micah helped to shape Israel's national character. He preached against injustice and eventually brought King Hezekiah to repentance, which in doing so saved Israel. It seems that during this time there was a shocking contrast between the extremely rich and the oppressed poor. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? But this oppression gained a lot of support from the corrupt political system and the, and the religious leaders, even the religious leaders of that day. And this failed leadership caused the nation to become morally bankrupt and ripe for judgment. But Micah foretold that there would come a ruler who will shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord our God, and they will live securely, for then His greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and He will be our peace. And the place where this ruler would be born, said Micah, is Bethlehem. Now Bethlehem means house of bread. House of bread. Sounds more like the home of the Pillsbury Doughboy boy to me than it does the birthplace of a king. But, but you know, if you think about it, it's pretty profound that God would raise the one who would be also be known as the bread of life from this town known as the house of bread. As someone has written, bread is one of life's most common things. God wanted God's Son available to all, to everyone. His birth was announced to shepherds, the common person, but not to the religious elite, nor to those with political clout. His cradle was a common feed trough in a lowly stable. So you don't have to be rich to know Him. You don't have to be well-known or popular to know Him. You can just be you. Jesus did not come for the religious, for those who thought they were all right. Instead, he came for those who are aware that they need him. That Christ was born in the house of bread gives us confidence that God does indeed want us to be God's children, no matter how insignificant we may seem to ourselves or to those around us. A small town and a small baby. This is how God came to us. Not in a powerful center of the world. Not with pomp and circumstances. Not in a beautiful palace in the seat of power. But in a stable populated by animals and furnished by straw. Pastor Matthew Rogers says that when a new king is born, you can hear the shots of of artillery in a 41-gun salute. 
When a new king is born, flags billow and chapel bells peal, clanging music into the night. When a new king is born, champagne corks stream through the air by the thousands. When a new king is born, people stand together and sing choruses in the streets. When a new king is born, clouds of euphoria make millions of people feel like they are members of one harmonious family. At least that's the way one newspaper article put it on June the 21st, 1982. That's when the future king of England was born, came into this world. His name was William, Prince of Wales, born to Prince Charles and his wife Diana. This boy was the legitimate heir to the throne. He was of royal blood, born to be king. But that's not the way it was when Jesus came into the world. In fact, it's hard to imagine a birth more humble than the birth of Jesus. Douglas Connolly says, Imagine coming upon a young woman giving birth to a baby in an abandoned car in some urban alleyway, and you come closer to what it was really like. And that's the way it was when Jesus was born. A small town, a small baby, and miraculously an entire world was saved. And I say miraculously because Christmas is from God. Frederick Beekner, in his book titled Listening to Your Life, wrote these words. He said, when this child was born, the whole course of human history was changed. That is a truth that is as unassailable as any truth. Art, music, literature, Western culture itself, with all of its institutions and Western humanity's whole understanding of itself and its world. It is impossible to conceive how differently things would have turned out if that birth had never happened. And there is a truth beyond that for millions of people who have believed ever since. And that is that the birth of Jesus made possible not just a new way of understanding life, but also a new way of living it. Do you hear what Beekner says there? The birth of Jesus made possible not only a new way of understanding life, but also a new way of living it. So let's think about that for just a moment this morning. First, a new way of understanding life. As someone has said, you can listen to a a cricket singing in a field and consider that That cricket has no knowledge of any other crickets. He has no knowledge even of the cricket in the field across the road. His world is just one little patch of weeds. And his lifetime is a single summer. Similarly, you can think of those in ancient days with no knowledge of countries or continents across the seas. Their own little community is their world. There is no other. And you can think of the worlds unknown to us, of the outer limits of the universe about which we know next to nothing. And this little ball of mud that we live on is our whole universe, our whole lifetime, just these few years that we are here. 
God has kept some greater knowledge in reserve for us in the future. But you know what? Every once in a while, God opens a window that is to that larger eternal world. And God opened just such a window at Bethlehem when the angels appeared to those shepherds. And we learned that day that there is a world of heavenly messengers who do God's bidding, a world of peace and a world where all glory is given to God. And all of that you can learn from what happened that night in that tiny little town called Bethlehem. The birth of Jesus made possible a new way of understanding life. But the birth of Jesus also made possible a new way of living life. Have you ever heard someone lament, especially at this time of the year, and say, why can't we keep the Christmas spirit all year? You ever heard anybody say that? Uh, We all have, and we've probably said it ourselves. Why can't we keep the Christmas spirit all year long? Well, the answer is, we can. We can. And I'm not talking about candy canes and wreaths and presents and things like this. But here's the thing, folks. This is precisely why Jesus came in the first place. So So that we might keep His Spirit alive all year long, all of our lives. For you see, the Spirit of Christmas is no more than the way the follower of Jesus is to live our lives every day. Showing kindness to strangers. Treating all people, regardless of their station in life, with respect and dignity. Being generous with the poor and compassionate with the wayward. That's not an aberration, folks. That's simply good Christian living. And that's what we should be about all year long. And when we do that, we are keeping the spirit of Christmas alive. Helmut Nalsner is a well-known Methodist pastor in Austria, and he tells of a, a Christmas Eve long ago during the Nazi occupation when he was very young. <clears throat> He said his father was away, so his mother gathered the children around to read the Christmas story and and to pray. And as they did, they could hear the soldiers outside their windows marching through the streets, patrolling the curfew, enforcing the orders, forbidding religious celebration. And so they were very quiet. During the reading and praying, young Helmut kept wondering what his mother would do about the music. Poor as they were, they had a piano that they used for home services where Papa would preach and and Mama would play the hymns. He said that Mama loved the Christmas music, but surely the soldiers would hear if they sang. And he wondered what would they do to Mama and us. And so when they finished their reading and their prayers, Helmut's younger sister asked, Mama, aren't we going to sing? And with only one little moment's hesitation, his mother answered, Tonight we celebrate the coming of the Christ child into our world, and he came that we might never be afraid again. So yes, of course, we are going to sing. And so she gathered her little brood about her 
went to the piano and they sang, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, come ye, O come ye, to Bethlehem. Well, folks, you and I don't have to sing in fear this morning. Because listen to this. Because Christ was born in that little town that day, all fear has been taken away. How? Well, it begins in a small town called Bethlehem, the house of bread. And the question that I leave with you today is this. Have you come to know the bread of life? Have you come to know this child that was born that night? Have you come to know that God entered this world and through the life of that tiny little baby, God taught us how to usher in a world of peace and joy and love for all humankind. You can, you know. You can know this child who came to change the world forever. You too can know a Christmas miracle today in your life. And we invite you to do just that. Allow the spirit of Christmas to enter your lives today and keep that spirit alive all year long by following the ways of Jesus. May that be so with each of us today and every day. Amen. Let's sing our closing hymn. Oh my, oh little town of Bethlehem. (laughs) How did that happen?
go from this place knowing that you are blessed of the Lord. Christ, whose presence is among us, goes with each of you into your home, into your community, into your work and play, until you can say wherever you are, surely the Lord is in this place. Go, looking at all of life through new eyes and living new lives because we have seen the King who was born the Prince of Peace. Amen.